Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Gym Class All-Stars, the second episode for this week. Uh, last week, just a review, or last episode, excuse me, just a review of the wild, wild mess that has been NBA free agency period. Um, so this is going to be for everything else that we missed. Baseball, college basketball, football specifically. Uh, the big ones, the big stories from the world of sports. And we're going to start with the MLB little bit of key news here. We're going to start the Atlanta Braves signed uh, Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Charlie Morton to a one-year deal. Very solid pitcher. Went deep in the playoffs with the uh, the Rays and the Braves trying to be the team that comes out on top of that division, Uh, our our Phillies division. Um, What does Charlie Morton mean for the Braves trying to be the top team in that that race? They're just trying to strengthen their already pretty strong core. Uh, they gave him a little bit more money than I expected, right? They gave him a decent-sized contract. Yeah, I forget the actual number, but I, for an older pitcher, it was it was a hefty haul. Yeah, I the jury's still out on if the Phillies will be able to re-sign Ramuto or if they'll be able to do any better. But, uh, yeah, I, Braves right now look like in the driver's seat and will probably continue that for a little bit. Yeah, their youth with Acuna makes them a very scary team, but hopefully our Phillies got something – uh, up their sleeve to try and fight back a little bit. Not a whole lot of other free agency signings in baseball so far. Something that is kind of cool uh, that will be happening this season, regardless of fans, is the White Sox and the Yankees will be playing one of their series at the Field of Dreams Stadium. Um, anybody who, who's seen the movie or read the short story, Field of Dreams, that stadium is in fact a, a legitimate place, and there will be a professionally played series there this season. Uh, that young White Sox team that was a very high seed in the playoffs this past season uh, versus, you know, the always solid Yankees. So it should be a very fun time. Pretty cool thing. If fans are allowed, might be something you want to check out, you know, if it's safe to safe to go, of course. Were you a field of dreams kid or an angels in the outfield kid? Oh, for sure. Angels in the outfield. My, yeah. my favorite, favorite I, uh, cards against humanity play I ever had <laughs> was so you're, you're like praying to God or something like that. I was like, please pray to God. Do not let this happen. And I was like, please do not let angels interfere in otherwise fair baseball games. <laughs> Big angels in the outfield guy. I am too. Both are great movies, but angels in the outfield has a special place for me. I would agree with that. Uh, last, last thing on baseball, the Chicago Cubs new president, Jed Hoyer got a five year deal. So he will be the guy for the long haul for the Cubs was recently named president uh, the details of his contract had just come out. The five years is really the big part of it that he is there for the long haul. Uh, so with that, we're going to kind of jump back to basketball a little bit here. Just a little Not, bit. Just, just a little bit. No no more. You know, there were a couple free agent signings that, that we didn't quite get to in our last episode. I, I would go to Woj or Shames for, uh, for that one. But we'll get to that as well next week. But for now, we're going to go to college basketball because the season starts tomorrow. There have been a lot of cancellations, and we're going to get to that. But the the headline game tomorrow will be the number three seed Villanova versus Boston College. Uh, point guard Colin Gillespie is a potential player of the year candidate. The hype around college basketball, though, it is back. We didn't get a tournament last year. As a fan, as a spectator, uh, what, what's the expi- excitement level here? I'm excited for college basketball to be back at- with COVID and everything, any sports that I am at least moderately interested in is always welcome. Like even baseball, I don't watch a whole lot of baseball unless it's in person. That was a welcome sight to bring back, and especially when there were no sports on back in July. So with the NBA, you know, they're ramping up. There's a bit of a downtime right now. 
football is it's there, but it's only one or sorry, it's, I guess it's three days a week, but only one like full day. Mm-hmm. College basketball is going to be much needed. And I'm very excited to have it back. Uh, go Iowa. Go Luca. Yeah, no, Iowa, one of the team's games has not been canceled yet. Uh, they don't play a top 25 team and they're not on national television, unfortunately, but they will be starting their season, hopefully, you know, playing as well as they're rated. Number five in the country right now, as we've mentioned before. As I mentioned, though, previously, a lot of games got canceled and have been postponed. And we're expected to see more of that. Tennessee just pulled out of the Jimmy V Classic. The big one that was canceled for opening night was Arizona State versus Butler. It's the 18 versus the two. It was supposed to be the you know comeback Jared Butler, another player of the year, potential candidate, versus the young freshman Josh Christopher, who's a very highly recruited five-star athlete, committed to Michigan, ended up going to Arizona State last second. We're going to see a lot of this this year. We're going to see a lot of cancellations. As we've mentioned, it's much harder for colleges to keep the coronavirus under control. The topic I want to talk about is, do we think this season is going to finish? Are we going to actually get a tournament? Is it going to be like college football? Is it going to be like where some divisions start late and it feels a little little less legitimate? Just what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's a shame that Baylor, Arizona State canceled. While that seems problematic for everything, I think like all the other sports, what's going to happen is you're going to have people testing positive. There'll be some, maybe probably a little bit of hysteria around it, but the season will go on. The season will have a tournament. I am very optimistic. I think we'll have a vaccine. I think we'll all be vaccinated hopefully by at the latest April. And I think by March, especially like college basketball players who people need to travel, I think they'll be all set. So my hope is, they still take precautions. I'm a little uneasy about the whole idea of fans just because they're indoors instead of outdoors. And, you know, that can be a little more problematic. It gets cold out. So you can't just do everything outdoors and well, street ball games, but could be fun. It probably would be electric under the lights, but I, as long as everyone is safe, they're taking precautions. There's no reason to immediately cancel the season. I think the NCAA, We'll be fine. They're doing a pretty good job with college football for the most part. And it's got to kind of keep the course. Sure, sure. I mean, you've seen models of the professional sports and college football, obviously. They've been able to do this successfully. Uh, There's been talk about, you know, if we get to the point of the tournament, that it would be in a bubble more than likely, probably taking place after, you know, the theoretical students finish their semester. (laughs) All that fun stuff. So they are trying they are going to cancel games more commonly than a professional sport would just because travel is so much more difficult and it's a little easier. You know, you don't need some of the tune-up games such such and such. So I'm excited. I I think we can get there. And obviously with Iowa being so good, I want to see us get there, (laughs) but either way, again, as we always say, the safety of the players and everybody in the stadium is the most important thing. But so assuming this season happens, uh, are you are are you have any other knowledge on a potential player of the year candidate? I know we've talked a lot about Luca, but uh, do you have anybody else that could emerge as a top guy? Well, no one in Lehigh is particularly great, <laughs> and I don't know if I honestly don't think Lehigh is even going to play this year, or at least for the time being. Unfortunate. Yeah, not really. They're they've let me down a lot. So uh, I mean, Gars is the one because he's coming back. But uh, you had a guy from Nova that you want to talk about. I feel like that's probably a good. Oh yeah, Co- Colin Galepsi. I don't remember if he's a junior or senior. He's just one of those guys that's been there a while, knows the system very well. Jay Wright talks very highly of him. 
he's a guy to look out for. And another name to throw out on that list, Io Desunmu for, uh, excuse me if I mispronounced that, for Illinois. He's got that team back on the map. They were winning big games last season before the season got canceled. So I would expect a very, very good performance out of him this year as well. So with that being said, that's what we got for everything other than football. <laughs> so before we get into football, I'd like to introduce a guest on the show today, a good friend of ours, former gym class all-star himself and the co-commissioner of the LVPD Fantasy Football League <laughs> with myself. I'd like to introduce Ian Lewis. Ian, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So a lot to talk about uh, as we, again, didn't do our NFL report before this past week of games. So before we get into all that, we are going to start with the Hall of Fame list. Uh, the candidates and finalists were announced earlier this week. Uh, I'm going to highlight some of the big names. Uh, we got Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Jared Allen, Rondé Barber, Torrey Holt, Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, among all of those that have qualified as finalists. Um, so I'm going to ask each of you guys, who would be your like two locks to make it into the Hall of Fame this year? Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. Payne Manning, obviously. We're, we're, I'm a big Payne Manning fan. I would hmm. – I Megatron's the shoo-in. I'll let one of you guys take that one. But uh, I'm going to say I'm feeling Charles Woodson. I agree with that. Woodson a lockdown defensive back for his entire career, mostly with the Packers. Two good picks. Ian, who do you have? See, it's hard for me because I know Pro Football Hall of Fame, typically they don't like doing a whole lot of safeties. True. <laughs> so I know John Lynch has been there for a while. So I find it hard to give Charles Woodson the honor right away. So I'm going to say Tory Holt and John Lynch are my locks. I like the Tory Holt one. I also like the Tory Holt one. That's a, that's a good one. I think between him, Ward, and Wayne, he probably has the best chance of making it right off the bat. All right. So, yeah, we'll we'll let you guys know who does, in fact, make the Hall of Fame. This list will get cut down at a certain point before the official winner is announced, I believe. But we'll get there as the season moves on. But speaking of future Hall of Fame football players, Tom Brady, first year in Tampa Bay. He's had a lot of success and he's had a lot of struggles. Last night was another struggle. He lost a close game to the Rams through two more interceptions why can Brady not quite put all the pieces together against the better defenses? Hmm. You know, last night was I was watching the game and was kind of intrigued because Brady showed flashes of greatness. The Tom Brady we all love to hate over the years because he was just so damn good. But then there were just moments where he looked so inconsistent. I mean, the first interception he threw – I don't know if he thought Mike Evans was going to keep running or if the hit had such a massive impact, but he just threw it literally right to the Rams' safety. And the second interception into the game, you know, granted, wasn't much better at all. Like he just kind of threw a duck, basically, and got picked off, and the Rams ended up basically running out the clock. I don't know. I think it's the system. I think I don't think Bruce Arians, while he's a good coach, isn't he's no Bill Belichick, and. I think the Rams are good too, but Tom Brady is known for beating good to great teams. So it's a little, it's odd to me that he's not figuring it out, but maybe he will. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, he's got that ridiculous receiving core Brown, Godwin, Evans. You throw Gronk in the mix. 
what more could you really ask for at a certain point? Um, so Ian, my question to you will be, what do you think the Buccaneers need to do differently to be able to have the success against the better defenses? Honestly, take the ball out of Brady's hands more. Mm. I mean, I know you have all those wide receivers, but you also have a first-round pick in Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. So, I mean, give the ball to them more, set up the play action more, and try to free up the passing game that way. I mean, Brown, he has his own issues. Gronk is past his prime. <laughs> you just got to run the ball more in my eyes. Like, you got to try to free up that passing game. You can't just rely on the name value. I would, I would agree with that. As much as my fantasy team loves to see Tom Brady sling the ball down the field, you got to keep the defense honest running the football. You, like you said, have two incredible running backs. You might as well be put, you know, trying to run the ball down teams' throats. Brady, slightly, slightly easier challenge with Kansas City next week before their late week 13 bye. So we'll see if uh, we get any improvements from Brady on that end. The real question is, when is it Blaine Gabbert time? <laughs> You're asking the hard-hitting questions. When is the Blake Gabbard era? Give it to me. (laughs) We'll get there one sweet, sweet day. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to hop across the other side of the league, the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 10-0. The the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. Jake Luton did not have a good day against the Steelers. So at this point, Steelers are a lock for the playoffs, you would assume. No real way of falling out at this point. The question now we have to start talking about is who is going to be the team that beats them? We no, Nobody's really projecting this team to go undefeated because that's not really the goal at this point anyway. But with the few and far between tough games remaining for the Steelers team, who poses the toughest threat to beat them? Alex, start with you, Ian. We'll go, out, go to you next. Team-wise, it's the Bills, but I'm actually – I'd be concerned about this week's game and not because of like – COVID one, I know J.K. Dobbins and Ingram both have COVID for the Ra- Ra- sorry, Ravens, mm-hmm. but the short week is just not on your side. And I, I the Ravens are the biggest frauds in the world right now. <laughs> at the same time, though, that short week is probably beneficial to them at this point. I, yeah. It's not on your side, but I think the Bills are the best chance team-wise to beat them, but schedule-wise, this Thanksgiving game may Come back to haunt you, unfortunately. Yeah, that short week is a, is a good thing to mention. The Ravens are a little younger than the Steelers at this point. Um, Ian, who do you think is going to be the team that can knock off the Steelers? Now, shocker, I think the Steelers finish 15-1. and one. Oof! Uh, that one loss, though, I think is going to be an, an old-fashioned, like, 6-3 to three game against the Colts. Okay. I, I think the Colts' defense is going to give them problems. I agree with that. The Colts are the team I'm looking at right now. Like, I, I agree with... Alex, like I said, that short week is going to benefit the Ravens more, but it's home for Pittsburgh, whatever that means at this point. But the Steelers looked pretty comfortable against the Ravens last last time. I'm not concerned with the Bills. Their defense sucks. Josh Allen will – I'm just going to say, he's going to be exposed against the Steelers' defense. You're and probably then... right. <laughs> with that being said, though, I have a lot more confidence in Josh Allen than I do with Phillip Rivers. That's a valid point. That See, that's, yeah, that's the other fair. thing. Philip Rivers kind of sucks. He's kind of the worst Ben Roethlisberger, if, if you can imagine that at this point. It's He's beta Ben Roethlisberger at this point. Exactly. So we're, all we have to worry about is Naeem Hines scoring two ridiculous flip into the end zone touchdowns. Yeah. I'm not concerned about wide receivers Marcus Johnson and Michael Pittman Jr. But to, to Ian's point, 
their defense is very good. I would say I the second best defense to the Steelers. Ben's been good, but you can definitely find ways to beat this old shell of a Ben Roethlisberger. It's very possible. James Conner has not been running the football exceptionally well recently with the caveat of this past week. It's, my it's possible. Team. Sorry. Sorry. We do hate to see it. We're always rooting for Steelers <laughs> and team, whose team they're on. But yeah, again, I don't expect the Steelers to go undefeated. I, I think as a Steelers fan, the scariest game is the Ravens on Thursday night, just because that game's always tough. It's always a one possession game. It always comes down to who throws the last pick. So that one scares me, especially with Juju's health now being in question. Deontay Johnson had just one catch against them in the, the previous game. But the, the Colts are the other team. At this point, though, the Bills, it, it all lies on the shoulders of Josh Allen. And usually when that happens, it's a lot to ask out of a young guy. But Aren't we'll they see. In Buffalo for that, though? They are in Buffalo for that game. That's the only thing where I know, you know, the Steelers can play in weather, but, like, you're pushing a December game against Buffalo. Like, that, that favors the Bills in that case. But, yeah, we got to see if Josh Allen comes to play. And that's that's been a question mark this season. No, it does. It does. So we will see. And I definitely will make sure myself to keep you updated on the Steelers record moving (laughs) forward. Going to stick with the AFC North here. Um, An unfortunate news to bring to you guys. Joe Burrow tore a lot of his knee, his ACL, his MCL. There's structural damage. He is out for the season, potentially more, honestly. Obviously, that's a huge, huge hit to the Bengals during their rebuild. This was going to be their future guy just mentally as that organization having the struggles that you've had over the years, what is the next step moving forward? Well, I would take this year as, you know, an unfortunate, it was an experiment probably wasn't the right result of said experiment, but get a high draft pick. Don't draft Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he will be there for you anyway, but get a piece, get, get linemen, get pieces around Burrow. Cause if you can protect Joe Burrow, you're going to be a pretty phenomenal team. They have some wide receiver pieces. They have, you know, got their running backs and also bolster your defense. Cause the, if you can give Joe Burrow some protection with his lead, you're going to be okay. That guy is a winner. He has showed up this past season, despite having such a horrible and mediocre team. So I think the future looks bright as long as they can draft reasonably well and sign a few people. I'd agree. Ian, do you have any thoughts on what the Bengals should do moving forward? Uh, (laughs) So I don't know if any of you saw this uh, at halftime last night, but Booger McFarland said (laughs) with this whole injury and him might not being ready for next season to sit Joe Burrow all of next season. Okay. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, as much as I like defense, I think Bengals should just sell out and upgrade every position at offense possible. Like, I I don't care if they have a crappy defense. Joe Burrow can win you shootouts if he has the pieces around him. Bolster that offense as much as possible. Let Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow do their thing and make every game a shootout and focus on defense after. Yeah, I think I'm on that page because you see Burrow go down. Mixon just got put on IR uh, going into this week. Clearly that line isn't doing what it's supposed to do. I think that's the first step. We saw the Raiders have vastly improved from last year because they spent so much money investing in that offensive line. It it does pay dividends. 
protecting your young guys and your star players is extremely important, but you cannot forget about defense. You do not want to become the Atlanta Falcons. Nobody needs to become <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. And especially in the AFC North. Like you need a yeah. reasonable defense with how good a lot of the defenses are in that league or sorry, in that division. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Even even the Browns who have their defensive struggles can do things on defense to keep oh, themselves in games. I'm sure they oh, can. The Browns. We'll get to that. We'll get to, that <laughs> we'll, get to this. We'll, we'll get to this, guys. Ian Ian's on the show tonight to talk specifically about the Eagles, um, and we're gonna get to that. Don't don't you worry. So before that, though, we're gonna do a little rundown of the playoffs and then talk about some of the you know circumstances that we're in here and the past games that have happened. We're gonna start with the AFC. So, as I mentioned, Steelers still undefeated. They are the number one seed, but one game behind them is the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, if the Steelers were to lose a game to an NFC team, which I believe the only one we have left is the football team, if that was the Steelers' only loss, they would still hold the tiebreaker over the Kansas City Chiefs based off of conference wins. The only way the Steelers lose the tiebreaker over the Kansas City Chiefs is if they lose an in-division game, probably to Baltimore. That being said... With it still being just a one-game lead right now, do you guys see the Chiefs ending up as the one seed instead of Pittsburgh? Not because of the tiebreakers. That's the only reason why. They, I guess before we get off the topic of the Chiefs, that Sunday night football game, like Patrick Mahomes is now the runaway MVP. That man <laughs> is unstoppable. And I know I was on the Russell Wilson hype train for weeks I have flipped. I'm on Patrick Mahomes winning MVP. Every play is him moving around in the pocket or running around and somehow managing to throw sidearm dimes to people who are just incredibly open, extending the play. He is something special. And he is, I don't care if he doesn't win another Super Bowl, well-deserving of that contract because holy shit, he is phenomenal. High praise of former MVP Super Bowl champion, Patty Mahomes. Um, Ian, do you see it any differently, or do you see the Chiefs as the top seed in the AFC at the end of the year? I mean, like I said, I see the Steelers going 15-1. and one. True. So, I mean, I, I think the Steelers got that. It, Chiefs can try, but I, I don't see the Steelers losing that one seed. The Chiefs' schedule is also a lot rougher than the Steelers. Like they got... I, I was about to say, what do we think the Chiefs' final record is going to be in this if, if in the theoretical situation where the Steelers go 15-1? and one? Well, they play at Tampa Bay. They play at home against the Broncos. They play in Miami against the Dolphins. They play in New Orleans against the Saints, at home against the Falcons, and they finish off the season at home against the Chargers. The that's not a Bucks, The Bucks game, and even the, Dol- the Dolphins game and the Saints game. Miami is not ones. an easy place to win. I, it's unfathomable. But yeah, you're 100 percent right, and. I could see them uh, – I want to say they'll beat the Bucks, but, you know, the one time Mahomes – or, sorry, the few times Mahomes and Brady have played, Brady always gets the best of them. So, who knows about that. I think right. the used to go 13-3. 13-3, I think, is – yeah. Like, because some of those close games, they're still more than likely going to win because they're the Chiefs. They're, like you said, Patty Mahomes. You don't stop that guy. So – We'll see how it goes. One and two, going to be a close race no matter what. Three, four, five. All three of these teams in the AFC have the exact same record at uh, seven and three. The Bills, the Colts, the Titans. The Bills hold the overall tiebreaker, and then the Colts 
hold the tiebreaker over the Titans because they won that head-to-head matchup on Thursday night a few weeks ago. We, you, you talk highly, uh, Alex, about Josh Allen. Uh, you know, occasionally, to a degree, some, to, a degree. <laughs> to, to a degree. Do you think the Bills are going to lock up this three seed at some point, or are they just going to kind of let the Colts hang around until you know? they pass them eventually because that seems like what's been happening so far. I think the Colts will get the three seed. I think the Bills will stay in four, but, you know, I think the Bills are – I hate I hate to say they're the worst division leader, but they are because just how stacked <laughs> the other three are. That's valid. Yeah, the, the Steelers-Chiefs-Bills have all been having phenomenal seasons. Ian, Colts or Titans? Who's going to come out on top of that division? Titans. Titans. I'm all okay. aboard the Derrick Henry train. That's, that's a big train. <laughs> it, I was skeptical, though, up until this past week, because they have not looked good, and they pulled out a pretty convincing win against the Ravens. Uh, convincing, I hesitate to say, just because they <laughs> the Ravens are a little bit of a... They're frauds. I, but... I love hearing this. Music <laughs> to my ears. Yeah, no, the Titans, a monster win. Derrick Henry had a terrible first half and then ends up scoring the game-winning overtime touchdown like Derrick Henry does. The man doesn't really get stopped. Just give that Um, guy the ball. Yeah, yeah, 30 times a game if you have to. Literally, though, I hate how everything came out about the Ravens going, the defense knows our plays. I'm like, yeah, because you run the same five (laughs) plays over and over again. And no one stops you because you have Lamar Jackson, who's a freak athlete. And then people are like, okay, let's, let's change it up. And like, what? You can do Everyone that. Loses their minds. I hate it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Ravens not figuring it out quite yet as just, anyone We're, we're going to cut that. I'm a huge fan of the Ravens. <laughs> just cut. Oof. No, thank, thank God Korean's not here for that. <laughs> All right. So to round out the bottom of the AFC, uh, I begrudgingly say that the Cleveland Browns in second place in that division now are the sixth seed in the playoffs. They're also seven and three, by the way, but they hold the lowest totem pole of the tiebreakers. And then the seven seed is the Las Vegas Raiders. Got it right this time. And then in the hunt, we have the Ravens and the Dolphins still very much competing for these playoff seeds, but also at the lower end of tiebreaker totem poles. Between the Browns, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Dolphins, what are the two we expect as those six and seven seeds? I would probably keep that consistent. Maybe the Ravens would jump the Browns, but I, I'm I think the Browns. I'd rather have them in the playoffs than the Ravens. I think Browns are the better team right now. Damn, Ian. Any different thoughts? No, I I, I got to stick with how it is right now. I I don't see any significant changes. All right, I'm gonna throw one uh, wrench in the pipe here. Don't you dare say it. <laughs> I'm going to say it. The Dolphins are making no, the playoffs. stop. They They're lost making the, the playoffs. What do you mean? They lost to the – they benched to a – you can't – against that the That was a coaching error. Let me – let me – let me error. justify it. An <laughs> let error, me try what do you mean? The Dolphins are the team that can just hang around in football games. And when you can hang around in a football game, you can win a football game. They made the mistake of subbing out Tua. I don't know why it happened, but it did. They, they thought Fitzpatrick <laughs> – Gave him a better chance. The Dolphins have a relatively easy stretch of games coming up until the back half is a, a few tougher games. But schedule-wise, and if they their defense can get hot again, I just I see it happening. I'm not fully sold on the Raiders yet. I'm never going to be sold on the Browns or the Ravens. But I at this point would honestly say it's going to f- 
completely flip and it's going to be the Ravens and the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm distraught <laughs> just from hearing that. The Dolphins. It's okay. It's okay. I, I am not totally a biased Miami fan. I will say that. This is just a coincidence of the year. I mean, the Dolphins got to play. They play the Jets. Okay, fine. They'll win that. They'll play the Bengals. They'll win that. It's play the Chiefs. They're in Miami, but I, I hope Probably the Chiefs would beat them. They play the Patriots in Miami. I think they'll win that. They'll play the Raiders in Las Vegas. I think the Raiders win that. And they play the Bills in Buffalo in January. So I think the Bills win that. That that Raiders game could potentially be for a playoff spot, though. It probably is. And that's what's wild about it. I just – I part of me wants to say that the Ravens will figure it out and they'll usurp the Browns. But I don't know. They're they're not anything special right now. And right now – the Browns at least have a strategy to win games, which we'll get to. Yeah, I mean, kudos to them for winning even without Odell, but I don't know. I mean, was Odell even doing anything when he was there? No, and now Jarvis Landry <laughs> isn't even doing anything with the guy there. Like, I don't they, get it. They figured it out where they just have a great line and they have two phenomenal running backs, yeah, especially really Nick do. Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb runs all over everybody. It's kind of ridiculous. All right, that's our take on the AFC. We have a whole other half of the, the league to t- discuss. Um, and again, gentlemen, as my resident Eagles fans, we are going to save that division to the end of this because that is, that is the most action-packed part of this. Um, so the NFC standings go as follows. The Saints are the one seed. The Rams have taken the division lead out west. They're the two. The Packers at three. The Eagles with their division lead at four. Uh, five seed would be the Seattle Seahawks. So that potential playoff matchup is actually a Monday night football matchup this week. To Just to note, Buccaneers have fallen just one spot down to six. And then the Cardinals at seven. There's a couple teams record-wise still in it. Chicago, Minnesota, San Francisco, Detroit. But realistically, the Bears are the only team that has a legitimate shot at making the playoffs uh, that isn't in right now. Um, so we'll start with the Saints. They're looking stronger than ever. Uh, Alex, way back when in the beginning of the season, you had this team as one of your highest uh, rated, potentially even to win the NFC. Um, do you think they're going to hold out and be the top seed in that uh, that conference? Excuse me. Maybe, but they'd be the worst. They're the worst eight and two team of all time. But they're Oof. not impressive. I agree with that 100. percent Oh wow! Like, they, they beat the Falcons and they had Taysom Hill, but they I, they don't look that great. Like, change my mind about that. They're better with Taysom than they are Drew Brees, just said. Drew Brees has been a shell of himself, but I'd still rather have Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. In. Okay, so so neither of you seem to be too high on the Saints. Is there a team that you think will surpass them for the number one seed? The Packers probably have the best shot. I don't think it's going to be the Bucks. It's definitely not going to be anyone from the NFC East. I can guarantee that. <laughs> uh, going anyone you think Ian I was gonna say Packers I I think this uh this is gonna be a good year for Aaron Rodgers okay also though with the Eagles at the four seed and the Seahawks at the five seed if I have to play Russell Wilson again in the playoffs I'm going to lose my mind yeah that I'm not scared fun. of I'm not scared of the Seahawks this year well, I, think they, I, I always am if if they face the Eagles in the playoffs Call me crazy, but I'm expecting the Eagles to win that game. No way. There's n- well, no way. No way the I Eagles love beat this. the Seahawks. No chance in hell. I'm going to be honest. I don't think the Eagles would win that game, but 
I do see the very legitimate world where they do. The Seahawks defense is historically bad. Yeah, and, and the Russell Eagles Wilson, offense is historically bad. Russell Wilson <laughs> hasn't played that well lately. Yeah, so Russell the, Wilson recently has slowed down, and the Eagles, like, when they click, they do look like a real football team. It is just they click, like, two possessions a game. <laughs> um, we will, okay. we'll save that to the end. <laughs> we'll <get> to the <laughs> end. So I wanna, first, I want to talk about the, the NFC West. That's the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and uh, the injury-prone uh, 49ers. So the last three weeks, we've seen a different team leading that division uh, at the end of each week. This time, it's the Rams. Last week, it was the Cardinals. The week before that, it was the Seahawks who had been holding it for most of the season. Who is the team? Is there, first of all, is there going to be a team that can like kind of rise above and take take the reins? Or are we just going to kind of see it flipping until week 16 or 17? I think it's going to keep flipping. Or, like It's going to be each team's going to be within a game of each other until the last two weeks. I think the Seahawks are ultimately going to take it, which would keep my sanity pretty solid because i think they're the best team in that division but i don't know like it's that's a tight race and it's made a lot easier by the fact that they got a chance to play the nfc east and i think they got a chance to play the afc east too so two of two very suspect divisions in football sure sure uh ian you, you weren't speaking too highly of the seahawks same thing the eagles can beat them uh who do you see coming out of that division ramps 100 percent Rams, 100%. Okay, cool, because that brings me to the next point I wanted to bring Uh-oh. up. Is this the year Jared Goff gets back to the Super Bowl? No. It's tough. NFC's I mean, rough. <laughs> either one of you, go ahead. I see the Rams winning at least four more games. I agree. They really have impressed. Like I was pretty low on the Rams going into this season, and they keep just nudging their way back into relevancy, in my opinion. I see them making a deep playoff run, but ultimately, I think the the team to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Okay, that is, that is Ian's pick. Alex, do you have a different well, pick? Going off the Rams, their final schedule is they play the 49ers at home, which they'll win. They have to play the Cardinals twice. Ooh. They play the Patriots and Jets, so they should murder the Jets, and they should probably beat the Patriots. Both of those are at home, so I think that benefits them. And they got to play the Seahawks. So they got a lot of their divisional games left. Uh, but, I, yeah, three three wins is, I think, very logical. Four wins definitely is now the realm of possibilities. It really depends how they play the Cardinals because we haven't seen that matchup yet. All right. I think I think I'll stick with Seattle. I did lose some faith because of their defense. It sucks. There's no way around it. But I have faith in Russell Wilson and a healthy Chris Carson, as does my fantasy football team. So we're gonna hold out faith for Seattle. But I'm gonna be honest, the Rams are that team that's rising. As but long as Jared Goff doesn't hit a slump or doesn't become a shell of himself, like that Rams team is the team to beat, especially with home field advantage. SoFi Stadium, for whatever reason, like, they got – that's that's great home field advantage for some reason. They're undefeated there, and I think they're going to keep rolling with it. All right. Buccaneers or Cardinals, who has the better chance to pull an upset in the first round? Cardinals. To, to be upset or to – To pull an upset. Cardinals. Cardinals? No, Bucks. Bucks? Ooh, all right, Ian, you'll go first. Why do you, why do you think the Cardinals? Um, I mean, 
Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, <laughs> like. Ooh. I mean, I th- if you if you look at the numbers he's putting up this season, he's better than what Lamar Jackson was last year. Hot damn! In both the passing and running game. Plus, you have the best receiver in the game in DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I, I can't not take that team. All those points are valid, especially the Lamar Jackson one. But let's not forget what happens with new quarterbacks in the playoffs. They sometimes like to shy away in those situations. And I think not as much as Lamar Jackson will do, but I think Kyler Murray, when it comes to crunch time, is, is not going to pull through. That's my theory. I don't know. He's got Hopkins, right, but well, I don't know. All right, so as uh, Alex mentioned before, the Rams and Cardinals still play two times this year. They would be matched up in the first round right now at 2-7. Oof. And the Buccaneers smacked the Packers in their one previous meeting. They would be the matchup at 3-6. So if the playoffs ended, definitely some possibility for upsets. We, we love to talk about it. We'll love to see it. And now, gentlemen, the reason we've all come together today is to talk about <sighs> probably the greatest playoff team in the history of playoff teams, the three, six, and one division leading Philadelphia Eagles. They now hold a half game lead over every other team in that division. That tie is not looking bad now, isn't it, Robbie? The, the tie is looking real Always looks bad. good. As sobbing. <laughs> but then you remember it's the Bengals and it looks a little worse. So That's horrible. I want to ask you guys, just like like this point in the season, like how you doing? Just like as a football fan watching this, like just how you doing? How you Unwell. feeling? <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Disgusted. Please, please elaborate. Explain why you feel the way you do. <laughs> I, you know, watching that game Sunday, the Eagles legitimately had a few chances to win that game, and they just decided to burn all of them super fast and before my very own eyes so i don't know ian we can get into specifics soon but how do you feel how are you doing because you are a little bit more reactionary than i am i can at least (laughs) hold my own sometimes but you like to react i feel i feel bad but at the same time if i if i go back and i look at the games so many of the games have just been one possession like the Eagles had a good shot at being a good team this year. It's just stubbornness is stopping them from being good. Yeah, I mean, and it bugs the living crap out of me and makes me want to drink myself to sleep every day. <laughs> I think Alex can relate to you on that one. Fortunately, yes. Um, it seems the healthier the Eagles get, though, the less consistency and continuity that often seems to have. So... I've read a lot about this talk in our fantasy football group chat, Ian, but um, what are the chances we do, in fact, see Jalen Hurts start a game this year? Zero. Zero? Are they, I, they're I did... fully committed to Wentz. Yeah. Because, d- d- okay. My whole thing about this is you just paid him $100 million last season. That's true. So you don't want to see him ever hit the bench. Two... Jalen Hurts, he's a rookie. And in college, he wasn't that great of a passer. What ma- what makes you think he's going to be better than Carson Wentz? And I think Doug knows that. Because if you put Hurts out there and he plays like garbage, well, then it comes back to, oh, well, it's just Doug Peterson with bad coaching. And that's just going to increase his chance of getting fired. So if he wants his job, he's going to keep Wentz in. That's a good point. Alex, looks like you have a slightly different opinion. 
Jalen Hurts will only play a game if the Eagles are out of playoff contention or like we're not letting anyone get hurt. Like that's the only reason. He's not going to play a legitimate or unless Wentz gets hurt too. But uh, no, I disagree with that. I think Carson Wentz, the the fan base is split about. I think Jalen Hurts though, if he just comes out and sucks, I don't like that. There's legitimate reason that could say that he's just not a good quarterback or not up to snuff with the NFL caliber play. Now, Carson Wentz, I have been with him for the past five years, but I am on the verge of giving up on him. I, See, I'm actually fed up with him. That's the funny thing is I was against Wentz until recently. Why? Why are you? I mean, like, why? <laughs> when, when, the, when the Eagles traded up to the number two pick, I wanted them to keep Sam Bradford and draft Ezekiel Elliott. I forgot oh. the Eagles had Sam Bradford. <laughs> I did not want them to draft Carson Wentz. I was so against that pick. Okay. I wanted Ezekiel Elliott and Sam Bradford going. That's fine. But even after the MVP caliber season, I know he gets hurt and, you know, Nick Foles becomes the hero that Philly desperately needed, which was awesome. You then have next season, he's, he comes back. If he QB play, Nick Foles puts some, you know, that brilliant win in Chicago off the double doink and Alshon Jeffrey drop away from potentially beating the saints. If Jeffrey catches that ball, Eagles win the Super Bowl again. Uh, I still think the Rams win that next game. I know the Eagles beat them before. Eagles but... have the Rams number again with Sean McVay. If they win that game, they beat the Rams and they're going to the Super Bowl. But I, I And know. I think they beat the Patriots again. You know, I love, I love revisionist history, especially when it benefits me. I guess to move on from that, though, last year, last year was iffy because Carson Wentz, for the most part, didn't play well up until the very end of the season. But the predominant theory was he had he had practice squad players everywhere, whether it was especially the receiving core. And, you know, Greg Ward Jr. happened to be a reasonable standout for what was going on. His line was demolished to a degree. But this year, even, you know, I know the injuries were prevalent in the beginning. You got a lot of people back. I know Jason Peters absolutely sucked this past weekend, but – the thing is, Carson Wentz is just making horrible decisions. He is – I know he doesn't have as much time as he'd like, but he is just not playing well. And I don't know how much you can place on the coaching staff. Like, I know you can blame them all you want, but to so, a degree, it's part of what is Wentz's fault. If, if I had to assign percentages, 60% of this is on Doug. 30% is on Howie, 10% is on Wentz. You got to give a little bit more blame to Wentz. I would agree. Okay, here's the thing. He's shown he can play at an MVP caliber level. Yeah, he has shown that. What, 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 did, the, what did the Eagles years. do to reward that? Game of contract. Oh, okay, we're going to use a second-round pick on a quarterback when second-round picks in this league nowadays are starters. So, okay, instead of helping him out, let's just – like, Draft let's just smack him in the face. Oh, yeah, and we're also, you know, not going to draft the best wide receiver possible. Like, 
he goes out, he get he gets you into the playoffs with, with an amazing season. What do you end up doing? Okay, yeah, you give him a hundred million dollar contract, but you refuse to give him even decent help. You build a statue for his backup. Well deserved. You go right? out, use a second round pick to draft another backup. Like the dude had four thousand yards with his number one receiver being a quarterback. I get that, but he's also You cannot expect prone. him to play at that level every year. And if you think Carson Wentz is injury prone, go look at Ben Roethlisberger. They've played the same amount of possible games in their career. Hey, 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 oh, hey. Ben Roethlisberger is a goddamn legend. That man won an AFC championship game on a goddamn broken ankle. We I mean, that's my, that's my point. <laughs> if, if you look at the percentage of games they, they've played in, out of like the possible amount of play, they're similar percentages. That's not good. Like Ben Roethlisberger isn't a model for yeah, health I'll, per se. Sorry, mm-hmm. Robbie. We're just gonna keep ripping on you. No, no, no. You're good. Ben. Ben has missed a lot of time over his career. Um, the the thing the the difference that that set doesn't show is that Ben Roethlisberger has won two Super Bowls. Yes. Made yeah. three. Carson Wentz has made one. Technically, won it. Sure, but he didn't play in it. And it's you know. Ben is able to play through a lot of injuries. Carson Wentz is not able to play through a lot of injuries. That's my main concern. That being said, I don't like, like we say more. I I think I agree that more than 10% of the blame is on Carson Wentz, but I don't necessarily know if it's more than 20% because Carson's been bad. He's made a lot of dumb decisions. He is definitely not part of the solution. I don't think, I don't think he's a long-term option in Philly, but he, he, can only do so much when your roster is constantly changing based off health variations. You're already, you know, the Eagles, they suck. They do have a relatively tough schedule, all things considered. That whole division does because they have to play the Steelers division. They have to play the Seahawks division. It's a very, those are are two tougher divisions to have to go through, especially on a down year. But when they look at their best, they're the only team in that division that looks like a legitimate football team. I... I don't know what the main concern, you know, I'm not as delved into the Eagles as you guys are, but so other, other than the quarterback situation, what has to, has to change if the Eagles want to hold on to their division lead with it now simmering down to just that half game. How much time do you got? <laughs> <laughs> if, if there's one chief concern. Why? Doug Peterson. No. He's too stubborn. I, okay, so, okay I, so I agree. Stubbornness definitely will come into play at a certain sure. point. Uh, we talked about this with basketball a lot, that like some coaches in the playoffs won't change their rotations or anything like that. You have to be flexible, especially when it's just one guy you haven't moved on. But, you know, Doug's won a Super Bowl. He's had a couple good playoff runs. I, I would still trust Doug at this point. Now, see, you say Doug won a Super Bowl. I, I don't know if I can say he won that Super Bowl. I mean, Frank Reich, is that is that your hero? No, Nick Foles won that Super Bowl. Big but let's big. not forget that the one to call the Philly special was not Doug. Fair. It was Foles that called that play. I on, <laughs> to on, on to go back though. The that offseason after they won the Super Bowl, I was very distraught when Frank Reich left to take the Colts job because I know Frank Reich screw Josh McDaniels. He no, Josh McDaniels flaked out before that. Well, that's what I'm he, he was going to get the Colts job. No, and he said, he, no, I'm not going to do it. And then they were, oh, oh, Frank, okay, you come up here. Yeah, I mean, McDaniels for some reason is like – If McDaniels was there, we would have still had Frank Wright. Yeah, 
I mean, Frank Reich would have got a head coaching job at least by the following year if he didn't get one that year. But I don't know. I I miss having Frank Reich because I know he was he's great at his job and showed with the Colts, especially this year and uh, was two years ago. I, I don't know. Like I'm I'm torn because yeah, maybe the play calling can be better, but also there's not a whole lot you can do with the way their line looks right now. Their okay, line is bring, not giving up the line. Time. You bring yeah. up the line. That's one of those things that at this point with the trade deadline having passed is kind of out of your control. It's just a matter of can they get healthy. The thing is stay healthy. It's not out of their control. How do you how do you mean? So Isaac Samalo just came back. He's a solid left guard. Yep. We still got Kelsey who he's the best center in the league. No one can change my mind about that. I get it. Lane Johnson's a little banged up, but even banged up, he's better than half the other right tackles in the league. Nate Herbig at right tack or right guard. Okay, yeah, it's iffy, whatever. But the fact that we're starting Jason Peters over Jordan Maialata is a travesty. Yeah. And now, I, think- I, ha- I hate using pro football focus as a measure of productivity, <laughs> but this is Jason Peters' worst season per their grading system. I mean, the man's... You have Jordan Maialata, that's 15 years younger... And the biggest man on the team playing at a starting level when he's in the game, you have to play him over Jason Peters. Well, yeah. And I think after this past week, I, I hope when they play on Monday that they will have that figured out and they're going to put Maliata at left tackle. Doug already said Jason Peters is staying at left tackle. Did he? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, fuck me then. All right. So Uh, this is where that stubbornness idea comes in. Exactly. Um, Jason what, Peters literally gets hurt every game. So, so yeah, exactly, exactly. He's older. He's getting hurt. What do you think would be the factor? Okay, other than a potential injury, what would be the thing that would have to happen for Doug to make a kind of change like that? He won't. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, it's that simple. The, the fact that it, it's he, Doug's living in the past with with Jason Peters. He's been here for years. He's played at a Hall of Fame level he doesn't want to disrespect him and especially because when they signed him to right guard and Dillard went down, Jason Peters refused to go to left tackle unless they gave him more money. So they're giving him left tackle money now. So I guess Doug just doesn't want to waste that. I don't know. True. I mean, but my I lot guess... is the better play and he's just not, not playing for some reason. I mean, I guess going back to the Carson Wentz argument, once you give him the money, you got to let him play, right? You can't put him on the bench. You bring up a valid point. All right. So the last thing I kind of want to talk about here is, so the reason that we're talking so, so much about this division and why it's such a hotly topic debate around all of football is the fact that one of these teams does in fact have to make the playoffs, but not only that one of these teams does in fact have to host a playoff game. So I want to ask, like, even as an Eagles fan and you benefiting from the system currently, is this an immediate change that we need to see in the league? Or do we think this is just kind of a one, one anomaly year. It'll, it'll kind of fix itself once this division gets a little better type deal. Um, Alex, you can go ahead and go first. Now it's, I don't know. They even do it in basketball. I know they only have three divisions, but the top division winner gets a higher seed. It just, no, I actually think they took that out a few years ago. Uh, 
I think okay. Yeah, oh no, you know no, you know what it is? It's they're guaranteed a top four seed. They're they are guaranteed a home game, they're not guaranteed top three. Sorry, that's my bad. Yeah. What I'm saying is that usually the division winner is usually a top three seed because of just the way the scheduling works. It's worthwhile doing just because every year there's always one division that is worse off than the others. Like last two years, most like I tend to agree. It's been the NFC East. Uh, it, it needs to stay in because you have to have those teams. Like it just adds more. It adds more layers to the playoffs. Like the Eagles, makes the division rivalries actually mean something. Also that true. too. I guess the idea is the Eagles, they'll get, or whoever wins the NFC East will have the four seed. And while it's most likely that they will not win their game, you don't know that. And that's the beauty of football. It's a straight up elimination game. They get the home spot too. It's things like that that make it more interesting. That's why we love football. So I would keep the system. I like that. Uh, Ian, do you have anything different? Anything, anything to add? No, I think they got to keep the system the way it is. All right. I mean, right. I, if you're not, if you're going to change it, what's the point of even having divisions then? Just play the best teams possible. Yeah. I guess my only thought would be the divisions stay. The division winner is still guaranteed a playoff spot, but they're not necessarily guaranteed a home field advantage. But I, I, I like what Alex said about it. it just adds another level to the game. It makes it a little more interesting that a better team like, you know, Seattle or Tampa Bay would have to travel to Philadelphia just to earn the respect that they, should have already deserved over that team. It, it, it is a kind of cool concept. So, all right. Any, any last thoughts you guys have for this, uh, this Eagles season, Ian, you are our guest to bring on um, any, any final thoughts you have for, for Philadelphia. Uh, uh, geez. Um, Doug's just got to get more creative with his play calling. I mean, he's, he was under Andy Reid. He had Frank Reich under him. He's good friends with Sean Payton. If he can just take pieces of them, the Eagles are like actually a good playoff team today, but he's stubborn, won't change his play calling, won't give up play calling. So we got to deal with how the Eagles are now. All right, Alex, any, any last thoughts you have? You know, it's incredible that for once in my life, the Eagles defense isn't fully the problem. That's probably the most shocking thing to me because usually they're the ones making me want to rip my hair out, especially their secondary, but they've learned to decent, which is why if they can make it to the playoffs, you know, they are a roadblock for all teams and kind of a trap game. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I hope the Eagles make the playoffs. I hope they, you know, win the Super Bowl, obviously. There definitely needs to be changes to play calling. They're also like, I don't know. It's tough because I think the system that is already in place just with what the Eagles have right now is a little bit flawed. I hope, you know, I either hope Jason Peters plays phenomenal, which, you know, maybe could happen. Maybe he has that one game of greatness or, you know, they start someone else. They fix the scheme. I don't know. It sees the NFC East race is far from over. Uh, hopefully the Eagles come out on top and, you know, I hope, I hope it works out for every, all parties involved. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a tight race. Like I said, it's a half game now separating the Eagles from the rest of the division and God must be a really odd feeling to know what it's like to lose a football game. 
but you know, who am I oh, to talk? Six nine one. <laughs> heard here first. Sorry, I had to take the cheap shot here. Um, Ian, thank you for coming on. We appreciate the the perspective you gave to us here, especially on the Eagles. Really interesting stuff, especially the the commentary on Doug Peterson. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the coach needing to just wake up a little bit, see what they can do. Um, so again, thank you for coming on. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ian. Of course. Of course. All right. Hope you guys all enjoyed this, you know, part two, essentially, of this week's episode. Got the NBA. We got the everything else. Uh, we will be back next week with a probably more normalized type episode, superlatives as well, all that fun stuff. So thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the content. And again, we will be back next week. Take care, everyone. If you're getting annoyed with your in-laws, uh, make sure to give us a listen while you're in a coma downstairs. Hiding in the bathroom, etc. Yeah, or watching football. Yeah. Also um, true. Everyone stay safe. Uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. First time in a while I'll be able to spend it with my grandparents though, which is unfortunate, but glad to be healthy and uh, glad to be with my parents. So take care, everyone.